0: Well, praise the Lord and welcome to the Romans Bible Study every Monday morning and Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. right here live on the Pastor Curtis Facebook page and the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. Everything we do here at Crossway Church is uploaded to that YouTube channel and the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. And I just encourage you to <clears throat> go there to those places and avail yourself to what's coming out of this ministry. And it, it it is the Word of God in the context of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every single message, every single time we get together because our fellowship, our communion is in the blood. And we are, the Bible calls us to be striving together for the faith of the gospel. And we're thankful that, I don't know what everybody else is doing, but we are striving together here at Crossway Church, and hopefully with you for the faith of the gospel. And that is our centerpiece, that is our focus. We boast in the cross of Christ alone, and therefore the Holy Spirit is able to teach us the truth of God's Word in the context of the man who said, I am the truth, and showed us the way of truth, which is is the way of the cross, and his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, just a couple things before we dig in this morning. Uh, we mail six expositor study Bibles, just like the one you have, every week to inmates across the land. It takes $37 a Bible to get one of these Bibles into the hands of the inmates. I encourage you to help us do this. And so, again, it's six expositor study Bibles a week. And so, that's, that's uh, quite costly for a small church as ours. And so, I encourage you to pray about that. Help us. You can donate uh, by texting to 903 231 5950, or you can donate on the website and help us do that. We also have a church. Crossway Church in Wichita Falls, Texas, that pastors Colton and Casey Hill are now uh, pastoring for about the last three months. They moved from Athens, Tennessee, and uh, we are still footing the bill for the the lease on the building, the the, the heat, the air, the electric, and the gas, and whatever else of that nature, uh, and uh, we're running an ad on a the radio there that's a pretty costly, again, for a small church's ours, And I pray that you would pray about helping us do what we're doing because starting new churches and planning new churches and planning ministers who are determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified, such as the Apostle Paul leaving Timothy in Ephesus uh, that he might... Uh, charge them that they teach no other doctrine. And so uh, that is New Testament uh, work. That is New Testament uh, uh, activity. And so publishing the Word of God and planning new churches, not just to be planning new churches, but planning new churches that preach this saving and sanctifying truth of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And you, my friend, can be a part of that if you will help us financially. And help us prayerfully. And God is doing great things in these last days. And I'm just thankful to be a part of it. Amen. One last thing. If you hadn't got a copy of the book I put together a couple of years ago. It's called All God's Works Are Done in Truth. Will uh, tremendously bless you as you begin to see the narrowness of uh, the gospel. And God's word in its context of righteousness. And the Bible says that all... God's works are done in truth. I know that's hard for some to understand, but it's also hard for us to understand how God had no beginning, but we understand it because it's written in the Word. Whether we know what to do with it, uh, whether we know uh, or understand it like we should, nevertheless, it is written in the Word. For the Word of the Lord is right, and all His works are done in truth. And that's in your Bible, Psalm 33, 4, the little booklet, $15, we'll send it to you. Uh, Just go to the places I shared with you to donate, tell us what it is you're after, we'll mail it to you immediately. I don't have probably, but about 15 left, hadn't got any more printed, so they'll be gone here pretty soon. So get your copy quickly. In Romans chapter 8 is where we are, and today is part 36 of chapter 8, because we're not in a hurry. And uh, all the teachings, all the way from Romans chapter 1, verse 1, day by day, uh, and I'll have to look back and see when it was we started. It's been quite some time, and uh, but we're just being blessed as we're learning Christ in the scriptures. And let me say this about a Bible study, a worship service, whatever you are doing in a spiritual sense to try to grow closer to the Lord and hear from Him At the end of every Bible study and every worship service, if God was able to do what needed to be done, there will be a greater picture of Christ in your heart, a greater appreciation and thankfulness in your heart for Him and His work at Calvary and a deeper trust in Him. Think about that. If you just walk away from a worship service, if you just walk away from a Bible study, and you don't have a bigger picture of Christ and, and what he did at Calvary and what he's provided through his death alone there at Calvary, and a deeper trust for him, then it wasn't presented, or it was presented, and you just missed it. But those who come to the table where there is meat on the table will leave with a greater picture of Christ and a deeper heart felt a heart a trust in the heart for him relying more on him, learning that he does care for you and that those aren't just words. He cares for you. That means he is tending, attempting to tend to you. And if we're not in the faith, that means if we're trusting in anything other than the cross, really all he can do is point you back to the right path. Once he gets you on the right path, which is the way of the cross, the path of righteousness, then he will confirm that with the scriptures. And then the scriptures will literally become a lamp to your feet and a light to your path of righteousness. He does that by guiding us into more truth as he ministers the truth to us. And the Bible says in Proverbs twelve seventeen, he that speaks truth, that's the Holy Spirit, shows forth righteousness. And it's that path that we walk in. And uh, if you missed last night's message, please go and listen to it for one statement came out that is very convicting yet encouraging and challenging, and that's this. If faith is biblical, the fruit is righteousness. Every time. From the first time to today's faith. If your faith is literally... Biblical, meaning that it is in Christ Jesus and his death for you on the cross, and the Holy Spirit can now teach you God's word in its truth, that means in the context of righteousness, then the fruit will be that of righteous fruit. Think about it, there is no such thing as biblical faith if the fruit is not righteous fruit. So go listen to the message from last night. I know it'll bless you for those of you who have ears to hear and desire to grow in the things of God and know that God's just not a of rah sera, sera God and things aren't just gonna happen. We live and we move and we have our being by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Matthew 4 and 4, Luke 4 and 4. We live by faith that comes by hearing God's word That don't mean reading it. That means hearing it. We have to hear it. We have to take it to the heart and believe unto righteousness. And and then salvation takes place initially. And 20, 40 years later, as the heart continues to believe unto God's word in its righteous context, which is Christ being crucified, then the Holy Spirit can lead us in that path. That's good stuff, isn't it? Isn't that good stuff? That's good stuff. If you don't know that then the problems are surely there. And the answer, you just don't know what it is if you don't know that the cross is the answer for for forgiveness of sin, the status of justified before God, and even the understanding that the Holy Spirit wants to give you in the Word of God concerning all the Word of God. So again, today it's part 36 in Romans chapter 8 here on the 13th day of February in 2020. And so, let's dig in this morning, and I know I did a little commercial there, uh, a few minutes, and don't worry, I'm not tied the time, we'll go over a few minutes, because I like to get 30 minutes of teaching in. And uh, uh, that because I have the liberty to do that. I could sit here if I didn't have other things planned later on and I could just teach all day long and I'd love that, but I'd lose so many people. Uh, you know, they, they can't sit still long enough. So praise God for those of you who do tune in and watch and you are being blessed. Romans chapter 8, let's back up and read verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up, that means had him crucified, put to death for us, for us all, how shall he not with him freely also give us all things? He gives us freely all things through faith in the cross alone. Alone. Not, not we move from faith in the cross alone to faith in God's word and other... No, faith in God's Word means my faith is in the cross or my faith is not really in God's Word, as we've already stated this morning and taught very much on that unless my faith is in Christ and His death at Calvary, then my faith is not really in the Word of God because Christ and His crucifixion for us at Calvary is the only avenue of righteousness, there is no other avenue of righteousness because it's his, and what he did at Calvary is how we've been granted that gift of righteousness. Whether it be initial, the status of you're righteous, or and you're made a servant of righteousness, Romans chapter 6, verse 17 and 18, or whether it's daily being filled with the fruits of righteousness when we're learning how to walk with our faith in the cross, And then the Holy Spirit, as we've said, because all of God's words are in righteousness. Proverbs 8 and 8. And I know that people hear that and they're like, well, you're just trying to make stuff up. No, I'm a Bible teacher. I'm a Bible teacher. Not opinions, not feelings, not emotions. All of God's words are in righteousness. That's Proverbs 8 and 8. And the righteousness of God is only revealed in the gospel. That's Romans 1:16 and 17. Therefore, all of God's words that we live by, by the way, are in righteousness. And the only avenue of righteousness is Christ and his death. So as long as my faith is in Christ and his work at Calvary, the Holy Spirit then... Because I'm rooted and grounded in the faith of the Lord Jesus, the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary, that's the avenue of faith as well. Grace as well, humility as well. I'm not humble unless I'm trusting the work of Christ. I can't get grace unless I'm trusting the work of Christ. I, I can't live by faith unless I'm trusting the work of Christ at Calvary. It all flows through that so because that's the only avenue of righteousness and all God's words are in righteousness, then every word must be understood through the redemptive plan of God. Not just because of it, but right now as we study God's word, we've got to see every word in its righteous context, the context of the gospel, which is the message of the cross. People don't want to hear about it. Then they just have to make up what they do with God's word and live according to feelings and emotions. But the Bible says all God's works are done in truth because truth is what reveals righteousness. Again, Proverbs 12 and 17. He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness. But a false witness, deceit. Think about that. That's the end of Proverbs 8 and 8 that we don't ever quote. But all of God's words are in righteousness. Proverbs 8 and 8, and then Proverbs 12, 17, rather, says, He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness, but a false witness. Deceit. Deceit is what appears to be right, but it's not. Deceitful... Is what a man, what seems right to a man, but it's not right. You know, the Bible's clear in many, two or three places, at least in Proverbs, that which seems right to a man ends in death. If it's not, if it doesn't hold and include righteousness, God's not in it. Because it's the righteous, the gift of righteousness we've been granted. That came before our justification unto life. Think about that. And we're going somewhere with that this morning. So watch this. Verse 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who who shall be able to condemn God's people? Nobody. Even the devil is the accuser of the brethren, the accuser of the people of God. But the but God has been for us. <coughs> God has been instead of us when he gave his son to give us the gift of righteousness, to declare us righteous and not guilty. Watch this now. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? And that's the remnant who's been elected by grace. I've got it written here, Romans eleven five, if you're taking notes. And and, and the word elect here that we're reading. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? The elect of God is God's favored, God's chosen. Were you trying to say, that sounds like he hadn't chosen everybody. No, he gave his son for all. The Bible says in Hebrews 2 and 9 that Jesus tasted death for all men. All men. God didn't send the last Adam. To exclude some, he sent the last Adam to save all because it's not his will that any should perish but that all should come to the saving knowledge of his son Jesus Christ. Think about that. So watch this now. Who is he that condemns? Now let's back up verse 33. Who shall lay, who shall charge God's elect? Who shall condemn us? It is God that justifies. And that word means declares righteous, innocent, not guilty. But I want us to turn back three chapters to Romans chapter 5. And this was great when we went through it, but I want to just bring out a couple of highlights for those of you who are students of the word. And I know you must be if you're watching this today. But in Romans chapter 5, real quickly here, verse 15 mentions the free gift and the gift. Verse 16 mentions the free gift. Verse 17 mentions the gift and then calls it what it is, the gift of righteousness. But if you back up in verse 16, it says, and not as it was by one Adam that sinned, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one Adam, one the condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Notice the free gift is what is unto justification. God first offered you the free gift when you accepted it freely by grace, what God did through faith, through your heart, believing unto righteousness, He justified you. God can't justify anything that's not righteous. Whether it's you, or you, child of God, whether it's the fruit you're bearing. See, we're justified because he made us righteous. We received the free gift by faith, the gift of righteousness, and we'll see it again here in just a moment. But God justifies the righteous, those who receive the free gift. Those who just trust in the work of Christ at Calvary. Now think about that. And then we see in verse 17, the gift of righteousness. That's what the free gift is. The free gift 2 Peter 1 and 1, take a note, 2 Peter 1 and 1 says this light precious faith that we've received, we've obtained, we've obtained it through the righteousness of God. Not by what we did, but the righteousness of God, which is of faith. Faith. Only, no works. Folks, some folks are out there using God's word in a self-righteous context. Thinking, if you're not baptized in a watering tank, in the name of Jesus only, And you don't come up speaking in other tongues that you're not saved and not going... They take the Bible and they do with it what they will. See, that wouldn't make it a free gift. That would make it something you have to do something for. Never forget that. Men hold God's Word in an unrighteous context And all that can be produced is ungodliness and unrighteousness, all in the name of the Lord. And at the great white throne judgment, they'll be standing there trying to give an account of all, still trying to give an account of all they did. And that's why they have a right to go in, they think, but they'll be thrown into the lake of fire, and before they're thrown there, they'll be called by the Lord workers of iniquity because righteousness is a free gift. You don't work for it. You don't speak. You don't do anything for it. It is the righteousness of God by faith. Now watch this. Verse 18 says this. This is Romans chapter 5. We've backed up to show you something about righteousness and justification because Paul writes in Romans 8 where we're studying today who can bring a charge against God's elect, God chosen, God's remnant of grace, God who has saved them, God who has justified them, and that means declared them righteous. Watch this, Romans 5 verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one talking about Adam in the garden, his sin. Judgment came upon all men to condemnation. That's why we're born sinners, because Adam and Eve is our mama and daddy. Even so, by the righteousness of one. Can we understand something this morning? Righteousness does not exist initially or any point in our even Christian lives unless our faith is in the righteous work of the righteous one at the cross. It's not that, and now everything I do is righteous. No, if my faith is in the cross, the Holy Spirit now can teach me the word. I can live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me and the written word of God can become the lamp to my feet and the light to my path so that I can express through the fruits of his righteousness, my Jesus. Hallelujah. That's good news. I'm excited to know that today with no shadows and no confusion. That's just it. So watch this. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift, The righteousness of one, Jesus, the free gift came upon all men unto... The free gift, the gift of righteousness, came upon all men unto justification of life. God was just in giving you life... Because Jesus gave his life for you that he might take all of our sins and give us all his righteousness as the free gift. And righteousness, a righteous status before God is unto justification of life. You and I have eternal and abundant life today because of the righteous work of Christ. And we can walk in the righteousness now of God's word if our faith remains in the righteous work of Christ, and he's able to lead us in the path of righteousness, bearing forth the fruits of his righteousness. Think about that. Think about that. How many centuries has the, <coughs> the, the church, the preachers, not known this? There are preachers right now who've been listening <coughs> to, te- to, to teachings such as this through this ministry and other ministries, who refuse to move into the narrowness of what the, the Word of God, to, in the, into the narrowness which the Word of God really speaks. That path of righteousness, that old path, that narrow way, it's all one and the same. And it is so narrow that Jesus said, few there will be that find it. Most will choose the way of destruction. Most that are even holding God's Word are holding it outside of the path through which it directs and was written for. The path of righteousness. The path, the way of the cross. The cross. The cross of Christ. The place we were immersed into Him. Given the free gift of life and justified by that blood. Hallelujah. See, that's good news. My goodness, aren't you excited to know these things? And people may say, well, that's basic. Let's move on from that. Listen, wherever you move on to, if you don't take with you the cross, daily cross, take up your cross daily, that means keep your faith in what Jesus did at the cross. If you move on without the cross, you're not really moving on. You're moving back. There is no such thing as moving forward and growing and there is no such thing there is no such thing as growing in Christ without a daily cross. Jesus taught that you cannot be his disciple unless you take up your cross and follow him. And again, our cross is not our hardships and I know no, our cross is the cross, the very death that he died for us and that we died in him with him. We can't be a disciple if our faith is not in the cross. Not was in the cross, and today now we're trusting in something. If I'll just go on the road to Emmaus, or if I'll go in this what they call a soaking room and just soak, or if I whatever I'm calling myself to do for deliverance, to do for righteous fruit, outside of my faith in the sacrifice of Christ, it's just me, it's just flesh and I'm going backwards instead of forward. Now think about that. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. God has justified you. The devil may be throwing facts at God about you've sinned. You've committed a sin. You, you, man, you're, you've committed, listen, he commits, he, he, he accuses the brethren to God and to each other to stir up envy and strife, to bring in uh, confusions, because when that takes place, then he brings all his work- workers of evil in. That's what the Bible says in James. But his condemning statements, his accusations to God on our behalf, because the blood was shed for us, he's just blowing hot air. Even though his statements are factual, we commit a sin. See there, God, he's sinning. God sees us through the blood, justified, declared righteous. And all we have to do is say, God, forgive me. Thank you for cleansing me of all unrighteousness. He is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Not just the drunk and the drug addict and perverts, but every time we trust in something other than the cross, that's unrighteousness. It's unclean. It's not accepted. And we're actually frustrating, which means denying the grace of God from flowing into our lives when we're trusting in some anything other than the work of Christ at Calvary for salvation or to live the saved life, victory and power over sin instead of it dominating me, grace can now bring me life daily. Think about that. My goodness, this is good stuff. Don't you wish you could have started learning this at a young, young age? Where would we be now? We would be better equipped soldiers in the army of God. We would have a greater testimony. We would be a greater witness unto the Lord. We we would know truth beyond what we know now if we would have started younger. But don't be mad and upset about that. Just praise the Lord that today we are seeing and walking in the truth and are being delivered from ourselves and our religious and vain thoughts. Think about that. How blessed we are to be learning the truth of God's word. And never forget, it is the word of the truth of the gospel. Those things cannot be separated. The word of the truth of the gospel. That's Colossians 1 and 5. Please write it down. Go look at it. It'll bless your heart. Who is he that condemns? verse 34. It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Now, I want to share a scripture with you that will bless you this morning, and, and, and we need to know this, and I've learned this through ministers who've been preaching the cross for several years. Out all so many years, I thought that Jesus was at the right hand of the Father and every time I'd make a mistake, I'd commit a sin, he would have to look over and say, now father hold back on this now he, he's one of ours he's, he, he's ours he's you know I'm, 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 and we call that intercession Jesus right there Jesus right there explaining to the father why uh, you know he's covered by the blood I shed and all this stuff but I want to share with you Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 and that verse tells us <coughs> actually how Jesus is making intercession for us because he's not right there at the right hand of the Father pleading for us oh Father they're one of ours that's not what's happening Watch Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 wherefore he is able Jesus to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him not by what they do by him He's able to save to the uttermost. This salvation, we keep growing, we keep being sanctified, we keep being conformed to the very image of Christ as we're made conformable unto his death, Philippians 3.10, hallelujah, that as we look at the glory of what Christ did for us at Calvary, seeing he ever lives, he ever, he forever, he eternally lives to make intercession for them. The very presence of the risen Christ at the right hand of the Father is your intercession because you're in Him. And you're at the right hand of the Father in Christ. In Christ, hidden in God. You're there already in God's mind, in God's view, in God's plan. Yes, we're here, but in God's eyes, remember He chose you from before the foundation of the world. He also sees you right now in Christ at His right hand. And because Christ died for your sins and was raised from the dead, which was the declaration of the perfection of the sacrifice, the reason He was given a name above all names is because he humbled himself and became obedient unto death atoned for all sin was raised from the dead on the third day and he's at the right hand of the father and that alone is your intercession because he ever lives he ever lives to make intercession for you. His his life alive from the dead is your intercession Him being at the right hand of the Father is your intercession. That's good news, my friends. He's not begging God, sitting there begging God for the church. The church is being interceded for through his very eternal life, who he is, life. He is our life. He doesn't have eternal life. He is my eternal life. When God gave you eternal life, that gift, that means he gave you himself. He gave himself to you through death on the cross. And when you received that free gift of righteousness unto justification of eternal life, intercession's been being made for you. Jesus is ever right now alive at the right hand of the Father and his very life and presence there is your intercession. That's powerful. That is powerful. That is wonderful. Who is he that condemns? Who's he that's condemning me? Who, who, who is that accusing me? Oh, it's the accuser of the brethren. But it is Christ that died. The reminder. Yeah, I make mistakes. Yeah, I commit sin. But it is Christ that died for me and all my sin. Yea, rather, not only died, but he's risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? Just by him being there, he's interceding for me. That's that's good news. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Those things don't have to separate us. Oh, but they can. This don't mean they can't. This means if we'll keep trusting in the one who died for us, was raised for us, who's at the right hand of the Father for us, these things cannot overcome us sin can't have dominion over you because you're under grace and no longer under law Romans 6:14 unless you go back and start living as though you're under law what do you think the bible means in the last days about love waxing cold growing cold because iniquity abounding Well, that's not to the world. They have no love that can wax cold. The church has been given the love of God shed abroad in our hearts, Romans 5, 5, upon our trust in Christ and the work of love done for us at Calvary. Amen. And unless we learn, Philippians chapter 1, how that love abounds in knowledge and in all judgment... Then we won't be able to excel and discern to be kept in a place of sincerity without offense. It's what the prayer of Paul is for the church in Philippi that you may be sincere without, the, without offense till the day of Christ. That means there's a possibility you can be in offense, offense against God, and lose your sincerity. It, listen. Much of the New Testament we wouldn't need if we couldn't walk away, if love couldn't wax cold, if iniquity couldn't abound in my own heart. Now, I wouldn't ask you to raise your hand and say anything about it, but how many Christians are sitting at home watching shows and just getting tickled over cute little sitcoms that have homosexuals and lesbians running all around in it? And you're being desensitized How many people have their faith in something other than the cross but they're all about love? They won't preach the cross but they all want to preach love and and really, if they're not preaching the cross they're not preaching love. Because the cross is the only avenue through which true love comes. And the only avenue of true faith in which we can experience a love for God in return. The one way we can commune with God is through the cross. Everything he has for us comes through it and everything we offer him is back through that same source. Or it's religion. Now think about that. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword? These things, these things can but they don't have to. This, this definitely does not mean they cannot. They can. What about Paul's dilemma when he had a thorn in the flesh? God saved me. Take this thorn away three times. He asked God to do it. And God finally on the third time showed up and told him, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength. Here, here's the re, really the revelation of Grace. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Paul got a hold of that. Paul didn't say, I don't need another word. I need the thorn removed. Paul got a hold of that. Life came back into the heart of Paul. And he said, well, I will glory then right here in my infirmities and and weakness and whatever else is going on that I don't like and I'm not happy about. But I'm going to glory right here in the midst of all this so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. It was a choice he made. And make no mistake, it was a choice that he made. And you and I have that same choice today. Many that had walked with Paul made a choice to walk away. Many who've come to Christ have walked away. I urge you today... Come back to Christ. The way you do it is come back to faith in the sacrifice he provided for you. There's where the hope will be alive again. There's where the faith will be found working in your heart and the things that excel you will find yourself walking in. It's been a great teaching today. I love you and I'm praying for every single one of you. I pray God's richest blessings upon you as you learn the truth of his word. And I know that you're praying for us. Help us do what God's called us to do in any way that you can. We love you. God bless you. And until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you then.